Well, the subject of this podcast is just what the hell's going on within Buildwood. That's it. Okay. And there's not much going on, so it might be a quick podcast. Yeah. That's a few things. Yeah. But I think the last time we did this, I feel like, like you and I have done it. We've done it, obviously. I got a lot of comments on the podcast we just recently did. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do you hear like, about that stuff? Do people it, ever message you? Is it like, who's this idiot? <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, it was re- like really, really, really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, really good stuff. Um, But I feel like the last time we all sat down and did a podcast was two years ago. Probably almost exactly two years ago. I'd have to look it up. Um, When we were still doing the Build It Leaders thing in Nashville, Tennessee. Are you going to look it up? I'm going to look it up real quick. Yeah, Maybe. look it up. Fact check. All right, I'll, I'll keep looking while we go. But a lot of people always ask, what we do as a business and we still have yet, how we make money yeah how we make money and it's funny uh it's like somebody people always randomly post on social media they'll be like man you must make me making a lot of money as an influencer and i'm just like if only you knew yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't make anything as an influencer we're, we're running a non-profit <laughs> yeah. not, not by yeah. design yeah yeah, it's like that's that's not how it works at all. Um, but we haven't historically done a very good job of explaining it, and uh, I think part of that's because we've just changed so fast. Like we just talked about build the leaders that doesn't exist anymore. Technically, it still does. Yeah, all the content does. All the content does, but that that project doesn't exactly exist anymore. We've changed so fast as a business um, that I think we just haven't really been able to articulate the story clearly because it's always changing. Yeah. It's getting simpler though. It's getting a little bit easier. Even with some of the latest changes, it's getting easier to explain. Yeah. Yeah. Randy, uh, you said he did a good job explaining what the hell we do as a business. Can you explain in very simplistic terms what we do as a business? <laughs> I can try. Yeah. I don't know that I can do a good job of it, but I think what we've tried to realize is hey, we, we, need, it, we need to do we? Yeah. Oh, look at that. Nice. Same size too? No. no <laughs> I work kid sizes. It would actually yeah. be funny if you had the same size foot as me. It would look really funny. Yeah. <laughs> You're like out there running with skis on. Yeah. Uh, so I think the, the focus of the business is is a few aspects, but it but it's pretty simple. It's we run creative marketing services. Yeah. And that's to tell the dirt world story, whether that's you're an OEM or a supplier or the contractor really to want to talk about the people who make modern infrastructure what it is, mm-hmm. their, their importance, their value, why it is um, as a society, it, we should respect what they're doing. Sure. Um, we also have another product offering that's our training product. It's software as a service. And um, with this app, you can deliver regular micro trainings to your people. And um, can help onboard more effectively. You can help train up and upskill current employees more effectively. Yeah. And that product, what's cool about it is we have a lot of um, plans for it. Mm-hmm. So, like, we just saw the dirt, <clears throat> the dirt, uh, or the training uh, 3.0 deck come out. Yeah. So, 3.0 release. We'll we'll start working on that right now and. Uh, keep adding product features to make this really a great place to train, track, um, 
and uh, ultimately develop employees. Yeah, I think up until now, all, not all, but most training in the industry has just been passed down from generation to generation. It's all within people's heads. Yeah. And what we're trying to do is get it somewhere yep. so, so that we can pass it down a little bit more effectively. Yeah, because, we, I mean, we're short like 500,000 workers right now. Yeah. And there's, you know, that, that 40% number. It'd be nice to know what it is now mm-hmm. that we, a few years have gone sure. by. Yeah. But by 2031, um, there is a large demographic that's leaving. And that demographic is gray-haired and brilliant. Yeah. I mean, they have made so many uh, mistakes that mm-hmm. they've learned from. Mm-hmm. And we really need them to share that with us so we can try and avoid making the same ones. Yeah. Um, and then we have the summit as well. Kind of that third part of the business now, right? Yeah, the Dirt World and the Summit. Yeah, the Dirt World Summit. It's really an event around how do we get people together and talk about this people life cycle, and you know, um, it's very practical. I think we felt like there's been a lot of conferences over the last ten years that have talked about the issue, which is the the demographic that's aging out, um, the lack of people wanting to come in the trades. And um, we, you know, we talked about how Build What Leaders is kind of dead, but, but it's not because that content's on our platform. And we all still believe we have a leadership problem in construction. We can generally improve our leadership, but that's us included yeah. uh, in, in the dirt world. And so this is an event around how do, we, how do we leave that event and be more um, capable as leaders? So practical skills that we can apply the next day. Yeah, we've basically built a business around helping the industry overcome this challenge that is workforce, that is this huge, looming and already happening retirement and this necessity of transitioning to the next generation. Because if we don't, we don't build that critical infrastructure, develop the natural resources we need as a society to live. And that's not an option. Um, And so we make money by marketing services. Companies pay us to help them get the word out about their businesses, to build pride within their existing workforces, to help attract that next generation, to build their businesses overall. Training, people pay per user on our platform to help them train on, on how to do their job better, how to be a better human overall. And then the summit is a paid event as well. So that's a large majority of our income. Yeah, and we actually just signed the contract with uh, U-Turn Health. Yep. And that's actually a really cool one because, you know, once again, a few of the recent podcasts we've talked about mental health, but even us, we, Dan and I last night were talking like, we're, we know that there's an issue and there's probably mental health issues within our own company. Oh, yeah. But how do we help with that? We're like, I don't know. But now we have this resource that on BuildWit Training well, we'll be on Build a Bit Training here shortly, which is 50, 57 videos. 57 videos from like uh, clinical therapists and psychologists on, on how to deal with um, you know, mental health. Yeah. And then we'll have Vince Afeli on there as well talking mental health. So we'll, we'll from multiple angles, yeah. talking yeah. mental health, we're having physical health yep. coming soon. We have financial health. Yep. And uh, the, um, like the construction industry is very proud, which is great. I, that's one of the best things it has going for it. Yeah. But there's also this weird uh, protectionist side effect that comes from that as well. That's like, hey, what you're doing, you know, you need to stop that. You shouldn't be making it easier to get into this industry. 
and easier to learn. They need to do their time because I did my time. They need to do their time. And if they don't, they're weak and we're screwed and this and that. Um, uh, but I just quickly look at the reality and it's something like mental health, for example, if we can go put those videos into people's hands, we have almost 10,000 users on the platform now in a little bit over, over a year. So we have in theory, 10,000 people now have access to these, these mental health resources that they've potentially never had access to. I, if I'm struggling, don't necessarily want to go talk to you guys about it. I don't want to admit that I'm struggling, especially if I'm a 300-pound badass construction worker with a bunch of other 300-pound badass construction workers. That's, that's not what I want to do on the job site. I want to just get it done, just tough up, toughen up. Um, if I can go on there and learn something that helps me with my relationship, with my relationship with my, my children, with my current mental health state, potentially avoiding killing myself. I mean, it's, it, it gets down to, to that level of seriousness. That's a huge win. We're, we're, and we're never saying we're, we're replacing seat time or any of that. That's, that's not at all our intent. Like even yesterday there was, they had in-person training and they're like, well, this competes with in-person training. It's like, no, no, not at all. This is just another tool layered on top of what we're already doing as an industry to help further us. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about like that is, um, you know, the science behind making, making things stick says, hey, you can't just go to a class on anything and, and it stays with you forever. So really, it's, it's really more of like a help aid, the, the training program. Like, yeah. if you have an existing training program and you're training your people, awesome, because there's not that many in the dirt world that are doing that. This really is a supplement that allows you to say, hey, you came and did this class on, for example, CPR. You do that every two years. Well, how nice would it be to get a reminder maybe once or twice a year on the most critical points of CPR? Because mm -hmm. you don't usually get to decide when you're going to do CPR. Sure. It just happens. You yeah. don't do it every day? No, yeah. you don't do it every day. Yeah. And yeah. so like, hey, well, like, and, it ch and stuff changes, right? Like totally. I think breaths right now, from what I remember most recently, breaths aren't really a part of CPR anymore. It's mm -hmm. more on compressions. So um like stuff like that, I think, is, is where it's really just a help aid. The, the irony of all this, too, is, you know, if we're down half a million workers right now to meet demand and that's not getting any better and demand doesn't seem like it's going anywhere, just big picture, you know, in certain areas, it's getting squishy here or there. Mm -hmm. But big picture, it's not really going anywhere. The person that loses first is that worker in the field because now they have to most companies, they can't find the people. So they just have to work more hours. And so, yeah, at face value, they're getting more money from an hour standpoint, but now they have a lesser quality of life. A lot of times, lesser work-life balance. Mm -hmm. it, it, they just have more stress. Like it, They're the first ones to lose. The people in the field doing the work, they're the first ones to lose if we can't figure this out. Yeah, we were on a project and it was interesting that we might've already talked about this. And if we did, I apologize, but um, it was interesting how it was really focused on the work experience and, you know, they, they did things that you wouldn't see on a normal job site to make the work experience for the craft better, but it had a crazy schedule and it was probably the most hated project in our entire company. <laughs> like people didn't want to be there because 
they knew no matter what they did, they were going to have to probably work on Saturday. And everybody on the job just had this different level of stress because it was like, we have to get done. We have to get done. We have to get done. And it was just yeah. like, it was just this weight that people felt. They felt like, well, you can't win on that job. I don't want to be there. I'm tired of being there because no matter what we do, we're behind schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, even though contractually we weren't, it was just the, just like the whole mentality of the job. So it's interesting because we talk about mental health, but then sometimes it really is just talk because, yeah, you know, there's plenty of science that says burnout's real, that it has an effect uh, on, your, on your body, it has an effect on your, your mental capacity, and yet it still is the most common um, solution for schedule. Mm-hmm. Well, let's work overtime. Yeah, and, and all the projects going on right now are not doing anything to help that because like we were talking about when we started this, the schedules just, the schedules don't make sense. In a lot of cases. Yeah, they're, they're really quick. I mean, that plateau job, like, they didn't even know about the job. And then it was starting in, like, three months. And yeah, we had a microchip factory like that in Arizona. And the plans are not good. Yeah. So, like, you're bidding and you know those plans. Even we did a data center, and I swear the plans changed in the first year 27 times. <laughs> like, and like all, all that just adds more stress to the team because now... Instead of just building, you're building and you're having to track every little change. I mean, that's plan changes. That's not just like, that's not, you know, ASIs or RFI responses. Well, and it's demoralizing too to go do good work and then have to just rip it all up or cover it. Oh, so this is a good one. Yeah. So we go and install 36-inch RCP, or maybe it was 42-inch. I guess three days before, or like a week before, plans changed. And they changed it to box culvert, cast in place. We installed the pipe because, shame on us, we didn't review the new plans and catch that one run that changed. We had to tear it back out. Mm-hmm. And it, that is not fun. Yeah. And everyone points fingers at everybody. Yeah. Like, well, you, you approved the submittal. Yeah, but the plans changed. But the, the submittal was approved, you know, like, it's just not fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Anyway, we're trying to build a business that helps with this a little bit. I, th- I think we, <clears throat> we built a business. I don't think we set out with this vision in mind. We set out really to fix the people problem, but our, our business got pulled in the same way that a contractor, if they want to solve the pe- people problem, it's not going to be one single thing. They're going to have to do, they're going to have to grow their name in the community so that people know who they are. They're going to have to easy to find and and get hired they're going to have to train and develop their people they're going to have to build a culture and a community inside their company yeah. we built a company to help contractors and and the industry do that so you're the influence side of our business so you're out there getting the build with name out there globally and growing our influence that gets our names out there we do you know we have marketing services to help us create this employer branding so that you know, companies can, can get found and get, you know, people can apply for jobs and know what it's like to work there. What's a day in the life like that there? And that's, that's what we get, we get paid to do. So that's where the creative services came in. Then once you have people in your company, then we need to onboard, train and develop them. That's where the training platform came from. Mm-hmm. And then you build a sense of community, like a family there. And that's where Dirt World came from. So 
Um, we, we're trying to build a community and help people, you know, build pride and share ideas with each other and that sort. So, our company is kind of at a macro level. What what should be happening at a at a micro level with contractors trying to figure out how to fix people problem? That's where the serves came from. So it's yeah, yeah you look at it, it's like wow, you guys got four different divisions or. or focuses of effort but that's what you need to do to fix people problem you gotta, yeah. it can't be just one thing that's where we came up with that people life cycle and it's less of us looking at like the next shiny thing and more of us just listening to contractors and listening yeah. to contractors and listening to people in the field and be like all right well they need this this yeah. is something that they desperately need i think we can go do that and we didn't have to do 50 things but yeah. we had to do those for you like grow your influence you know, grow your grow your employer branding, the marketing, train and develop your people, build a community. Those four parts of the of the company work really well together. And you talked about last night. It's like, okay, kind of got the playbook. Now let's simplify. Doesn't have to be complex. Let's just do these things really well. Mm-hmm. Help share those ideas, and that's where the you know. And we'll we'll make money as a company doing that. You know, helping other people do it. In theory. In theory. Yeah, I think when we when we started, I've been thinking a lot about this because I've just been you know rethinking mission. Like, why why did we why did we start? Why does our business exist now? And I think we originally started just to just celebrate the industry, right? You know, just celebrate the people that do the work. It's it's spectacular what these people do. I'm every time I go on a job site, I'm just in awe. I don't know how it all works and and how like that plateau job. It's like. How do all the excavators know where they should be? How do all the like even something as simple as that you just look at you it just it all works. It's all so beautiful but complex and uh I just I want to celebrate like I was in the coffee shop this morning and uh oh what have you been doing? Oh, I've been traveling. Oh for work or pleasure. It's like it's all the same for me. I I love being out on job sites looking at it because I'm just this this little kid looking at all of these big adults doing this big work and just wondering how the heck it how it all comes together. And so we've always celebrated the industry. We've always just been, I've never said I'm a working man or anything like that. Right. Like, oh, I, I am, I've always said I'm a fucking kid with a camera. I'm an outsider, but we're, you know, among the industry's biggest fans. We're just right. sitting here mesmerized by this world and then beyond, you know, growing from that um, awe and appreciation for what these people do. We've then tried to serve them in all different ways. Like you said, you know, how can we serve them from multiple angles? Because there's no one magic potion. And I used to sell social media, my first year business, as the magic potion. If you do social media, your recruiting problem You're will disappear. People problem. <laughs> which, yeah. is, which is completely false. <laughs> Fixes one part. It can help with one part of it. It, it, it helps, yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting. I, I still think... I was just thinking about this. I still think one of my favorite pictures I've ever taken is a picture of you taking a picture of a piece of equipment at NACO. Mm. And uh, it's just because you, you just really love it. Yeah. And like, so when you say, hey, it's, it's business or pleasure that are the same for me, it is, it is pretty cool. And I know that doesn't always show through because you're usually behind the camera, but it, it's like, it's funny. We'll like, we'll be out on the job site and you'll like, you'll be like running around. Cause you want to catch this one shot cause it looks so cool and mm-hmm. it's, it's cool to be a part of that. Um, and to have somebody who, who really loves the industry, like even though you are, you know, an outsider or what are some of the other terms they use to describe you? Like, uh, they're you know, less than savory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> less than savory. It's like, yeah, I agree. You. Like I am an outsider, but then, but at the same time, it's like, 
But that's I've what we need. In, uh, one, <laughs> we yeah, can need lots of outsiders. That's yeah. That, that, that's it. Like we can't survive without attracting people that have never considered this industry. One, two. If I were to go work as an operator for blunt contracting, I couldn't go to Rummel. <laughs> I could just walk onto a Rummel site because they're their competitor. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, then now my access to the industry, the door is shut. I don't go anywhere. Like it's it's the 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 irony of it is if I were working every day, one I wouldn't have the time to go anywhere else. Two, no one would let me in. You know what's interesting is this week actually it is uh, by the time this airs it will no longer be blunt. It'll be oh w- it's official. It'll be WW Clyde. Wow. Yeah, and it's funny I've got some messages and people are are like, how do you feel about that? Like you know like oh sad day in the and I'm like. I don't know. It doesn't really bother me. I guess I wasn't super attached to the name. Yeah. Told him I still think the equipment should have been gray, but, <laughs> but <laughs> hey, yeah. maybe that's, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I'm not there anymore. So wow. yeah, it'll be WW Clyde in Arizona. That's fascinating. Yeah. Southwest division there. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. That's a big change. It is. There, there's so many good people there. I, I just wish the best for them and I hope they know like I'm cheering them on and, you know, um, but I'm excited to see what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've had quite the past few years. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I was telling Dan, you know, we, we hit about a hundred million in revenue that last year I was there. And um, I think, you know, part of me wanted to, to take it to 250 million in revenue. And part of me is like, you know, this change was probably good for me. I've been doing that for, I've been in a leadership role. My dad got sick when I was 21. Mm. Passed away when I was 26. Like that was a long grind doing the same thing. And this changeup has been good. I've really enjoyed being here. I built with it's been fun. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you joined on officially because, like, you have such a a cool skill set that you can now apply to the entirety of the industry. Like you're not restricted to applying it to one company, which is great in a lot of ways, but it's like you did that. So now take that and go apply it to like, like, like if you're working there, you're a competitor to everybody else. You can't for, for obvious, for obvious reasons, you can't take it outside the company, but now you're, you're free to go take that and help everybody, which ironically helps WW Clyde and the Clyde companies at the end of the day. If we can make the industry better, if we can help recruit that next generation, train that next generation get these people that are working hard today the credit they deserve, Clyde Companies wins. Yeah. Everybody wins. Yeah, Clyde Companies wins and every other contractor in America. That's it. Right. Like, it's interesting, you know, the market will soften at some point, yeah. right? That, I mean, you can't raise interest rates like they did and then not do that. Mm-hmm. But how that'll be manifest, I, there's so many opinions out there who knows what it'll be when and, and how long or how deep. But the other thing that's interesting is you're seeing it. Like there's a lot of onshore ha- onshoring happening right now. Where yes. Manufacturing processes that were only overseas are moving back to America. And so that with aging infrastructure, like I don't see any way that this industry doesn't have a significant amount of need for people the next 30 or 40 years. Yeah. I- like, Maybe maybe, yeah. maybe it maybe it dips a little bit because uh, there's a, a recession, but that just means that those who are you know experienced decide to leave, and when it comes back, 
they might have retired quicker than if the economy was good. The marketing, the market softening. I've seen just so many comments. We talked about this the other day. I've seen so many comments about like, you know, that it's it's we've been through this. Like I've lived through this before, and and this is what's going to happen. Like they speak about it with such certainty, but at the same time, it's like, but that's how history works. It, it's it's history because they're they're events that haven't occurred before. And and we just had the entire global economy and population completely shifted in the year 2020. Yeah. It's not even remotely fucking close to what it was. I know there are themes like consistent within economics, but at the same time, everybody's speaking with of of such certainty. It's like, but we didn't have the housing shortages we have right now because the migration patterns just completely shifted. We don't have the onshoring of manu. We didn't have the onshoring manufacturing. We didn't have the push for basically what needs to be an entirely new grid. If we do want to be, if we do want our energy infrastructure to be different, like there's all of these things. You just run down the list. Like this is completely different. Nobody knows how this is going to ha- manifest. I think it's it's all like gathering good data and making a good estimation. It's like building an estimate. It's like you you have like some points and you're going to put some 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 thought into it, but when it comes down to it we don't know. Like even even the baby boomers, right? The largest generation in American history. Like it sounds yeah, like I, I don't know if it's too dark, but like they'll be gone in like 20 years. Yes. The largest generation in American history. Yes. Like, that is something we've never seen where there's going to be a population decline potentially. Mm. What does that do to real estate? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. We've never seen it. Yeah. We can look at Europe and say we've, we've seen that in some European countries. Yeah, Japan. Yeah. And what has it done? So it's complex. That's why I think, you know, it's really important to come up with your, your five-year or 10-year business plan and then when it comes down to it really what you focus on the most is that one to three year picture because that's where you can that's where you can influence what happens the most mm-hmm. and you control the controllables that's a jocko saying right i love it like we can't control what the economy does but we can control a lot of other things the interesting thing in this book the halo effect he talks about how most businesses most businesses don't last very long Right. And why is that? And a lot of it's due to technological disruption. And, and uh, but, but construction has a lot of these, you know, century old businesses plus because there hasn't been very much disruption in the construction industry. Like, big picture, not much has come and shaken things up. You have economic cycles, but you haven't really had any of these major innovations that have completely changed everything. Don't have too many small startups that come in and just yeah. take, take your market share. Yeah, yeah, and you, yeah, you can't, you can't do that if you wanted right. to because there's, it, 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 there's all these, all these issues. It's been pretty insulated from change until this, this whole labor thing comes about. I think this is going to be the biggest shift in building things in the past century, purely because of labor. Yeah, potentially, I could see it there being, I mean. It def- there's definitely discussions around automation that weren't happening ever. Yeah. But some of that's also just a product of technology has come so far where it's now able to. So I don't know. I don't know how it'll play out. I know that it's going to be a good career being construction for a long time. Mm-hmm. And on top of it being a good career, like I feel like if you're in construction, there's a good part, a good part of the reason that you're there is because you really enjoy building things. I think that's ingrained in us as humans. Like, 
I think a lot of human beings find a lot of joy from it. That won't go away. No. There's something really cool about at the end of the day saying, I graded that or I installed that pipe. And then ultimately, you know, we probably should have a shirt that says, I built that. Because anyone who's in construction, that's what they say when they drive by, you know, projects. Plus hard work. I mean, I think hard yeah. work and building things, it's, it's, a, it's an important industry. And people want to be part of something important. Yeah, they're, the, the automation stuff, I think a lot of that is just like this fun talking point. That like, yeah, automation. And people don't even know what the hell that means. But then we go to, you know, we go to meet with Build Robotics, for example. They're leading, like a leading automation technology company within right. the industry. They, they, they'll be the first ones to tell you, yeah, we've tried to automate a lot of things on job sites yeah. it doesn't really work that's why we're focusing on what we're doing right now which is driving piles because on for solar for solar yeah. yeah not even driving very, piles driving piles for solar very specialized yeah. task for a very <laughs> specialized field yes yeah, so this yeah. is a company that they've been iterating for years and years and years and they've tried doing grading pads and what if we do scrapers and 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 skid steers and, and excavators and trenching and they've they've said well this is probably best for a machine and then Let's let humans do the other stuff. Or this this picture I just saw uh, that I posted. It says, "Hey, Chat GPT, f- finish this yeah. building," which is so damn clever. That whoever thought right. that so clever because that's that's exactly it. Like you can't you can't go plug building a building into a computer. It doesn't I mean, work. It might be able to hire people to go do it. Yes. Have you, have you heard about that? No. Uh, so like somebody, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But somebody was trying to have ChatGPT do something. And in order to do it, ChatGPT needed to be, do the, what's the check mark thing? Like when you're like doing verification that you're not a robot. Oh, the, oh, the, the CAPTCHA. CAPTCHA, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he needed to CAPTCHA and, he, and it couldn't. So supposedly it posted a job, op, a job opening and had somebody apply and told them what they needed to do. And like the person's like, well, you're not like a robot, are you? <laughs> I think I did hear about did you hear this? this. Yeah, it was like uh, on Joe Rogan or something yeah. like that. They're talking about it's, it. It's hilarious. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe ChatGPT could hire people to go build a building. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially, but there still has to be people building the building sure. at the end of the day. For sure. You, yeah. just, you, can't, you, can, you, you can't do that on a computer. What's interesting, you, you mentioned a comment about like the, the big you know, strong guys in construction and, and their mental health and how sometimes they, they, they want people to go through what they went through. Um, and you've read this book. One of my favorite books is Anatomy of Peace. And it talks in there, I don't remember if it's that book or uh, Leadership and Self-Deception, one of them, uh, same, both by Arbinger Institute, talks about how there's this box. We put ourselves in this thing called the better than box. So. We have a tendency to use that to justify our behavior. So that's what, well, that's what happens in the industry is like these people who've been in the industry and have gone through this, they'll be like, well, I'm, I'm better than you because I've been through all of this. Mm-hmm. And, and so they feel like it's okay for them to treat those people poorly mm-hmm. because like, well, I'm better than you. I, I went through this. Now you need to go through it. Even though if they think back, they'll be like, that sucked. Yeah. It sucked the way I was being treated, but they justify it because of these, these boxes. So great book, plug for that book. We are not paid by our institute. 
to say that. I wish I wish we were. Yeah, we, we're not paid by anybody to do influencing <laughs> nowadays. We need to figure that out. Everybody's saying there's a bunch of money in it. Yeah. We haven't figured that one out yet. Yeah. One day. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, and uh, I mean, we talk about trends we see in the industry a lot. We're not necessarily in the industry. Yeah. But we talk about those trends because we just have this unique viewpoint. Like we just see so many contractors at this weird intimate level because we're not a competitor because we are an outsider. And uh, do I get stuff wrong? Absolutely. I get most of what I say wrong. But at the same time, it's like, here's what I'm hearing. Here, here are the trends I'm seeing from everybody talking to me. All yeah. I'm doing is somewhat synthesizing what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing. That's it. Yeah. I'm not necessarily, necessarily saying I'm right, but it's like, here's the themes I'm seeing, good, bad, or indifferent. And uh, I think we can learn something from those. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I think, <clears throat> like going back to the Dirt World Summit, we've been to a lot of conferences now. Yeah. I've been to a lot in my career. You've been to a lot. It, yeah. It, it's a lot of the same thing. Are you saying you're old? Yeah. <laughs> I am. Without a doubt. No. It, yeah. Again, you and I, Aaron, were kind of questioning, should we do this this year? It's kind of a distraction. I'm really happy we're doing it because I, I think it's going to bring, it's going to be you know, the industry is relationship-oriented. People want to be face-to-face, -face, so we're going to be able to come together face-to-face, -face, actually talk about solutions for the people problem. Like, how, how, do we, how do we not sit around and just point fingers and, and talk about the problem, but how do we come together and, okay, you know, Monday, if, if you want to focus on mental health, you can go back with this toolkit, focus on mental health. If you want to go back and fix the nutrition and health of, of people in your company, Here's a whole toolkit and and things that you can do on on fitness. Here's financial responsibility. Here's you know you kind of you name it around the people problem. You want to fix marketing and and how you're recruiting people better. Here's these things that you can do. So I think just getting smart people together. We've got some great keynote speakers um, and then some great companies coming together to share best practices. we got a peer group with Wally, so a lot of sharing. And you can already see it. I think I looked at the stats, like 60% of the signups are bringing three or more people, which is exactly what we envision. It's like, don't just come by yourself. Come with your leadership team. Hear all the speakers. Hear the ideas, network. But be able to go back as a team on Monday after the conference and start to implement things in 2024. And Jason and I were just talking about, okay, how do we, how do we take a group of companies that come to the summit and form a peer group in 24 and just keep them together, keep the ideas going. And, you know, what are we going to do for the next 12 months till the next summit? Uh, and so we can, we can actually show some results, share those best practices, keep this thing going. I think that's how we'll, we'll get some movement on fixing the people problem besides just talking about it. It's not about us. It's, it's about everybody, you know, as an industry coming together and then inviting the best people we've right. talked to like Jocko for example in Echelon Front to talk about leadership to teach what what we've learned from them like um, I was even watching a video the other day we posted it for, with Jocko talking about ego and like what if your boss is an asshole what do you do it's like just do it do whatever your boss you know well, I have to deal with that every day <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but, it, but it was so it's just so simple but yet it's so striking at the same time like damn that is your ego and then I'm, I'm, you know, with my, my parents, it's just, you go through a weird time in your life where like you're the child and then you transition to like 
now you're just human beings <laughs> and and uh you still want to go back on i found i caught myself doing this this weekend you, you want to go back on well i'm the fucking kid here like they need to be the parent like why am i why am i being the parent here this is not my this is not my job but then i read damn it that, like that's purely my ego talking right. right now like that's entirely my ego and i need to be the one to say you know what that doesn't matter set it aside what do they need <laughs> that's it like that's it um but it's 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 helped it's helped me in, in business but more so just in everyday life like that i think that's what's you know we've and dan and i've talked about a lot of books that we've read yeah i think when it comes to like echelon front and extreme ownership and all of that i think what makes it so great and powerful is just so simple simple and it's like and those simple things really work yeah. like they just keep doing those. They're, they're, they're very principle-based, in my opinion. I, the one thing that I think is interesting about the Dirt World Summit that um, maybe we're not getting credit for or people don't recognize is like there's going to be great diversity in thought. That like Yeah. I would say most of the people have never heard of Marcus Sheridan. Yeah. Right. Probably yeah. don't know Bob Chapman. Like, Jamie Cochran. Yeah. Jamie Cochran. Joe Hart. Yeah. Joe Hart. Yeah. Like, even though um, maybe in the normal business world, they're more well-known. Um, so I'm just excited about bringing some new thought on this issue so that we can be a part of the solution. Like, uh, when we met with um, Beth from Ariat, it was like, I think you guys really need to focus on solution. And it yeah. kind of stuck with me. Like, yeah, really, we... That's, I mean, that's all we're doing. We're trying to create solutions. Mm -hmm. We probably uh, don't, we not probably, we don't have all the answers. So, so part of the way we're helping create the solution is connecting people. Yeah. And it's really cool to see us connecting people with people they've never heard of, mm -hmm. but are very much thought leaders on these topics. And, you know, we talk about Marcus Sheridan as being um, this marketing guru. I still think when we shot Build With Leaders, some of the conversations we had with him on leadership were as impactful as anything else I've done in my life. Like, yeah. It was like, oh, wow, that's eye-opening. And these aren't people that are just, just speak on theory either. It's like, like a Marcus Sheridan. He built a, a pool company. I built a very successful business using these principles, which right. is why I talk about them now. Bob Chapman, like the guy has over, I think, 15,000 people working at the company. Yeah. And this is how we, we revolutionized safety within our business. We're a manufacturing business. Safety, it's the same principles that would apply to construction. It's, it's not some guy that's going to get up there and say, this is what you should do because, you know, hey, I've thought a lot about this. I've studied a lot about this in college. Took over, what, now 100 failing manufacturing companies and turned them around and yeah. built a culture and, and then- With yeah. all blue collar people. Yeah. Or, 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 you know, echelon front. It's not theory. This is, yeah. hey, this is what we learned in combat. And then we went and consulted in business and it worked. And right? then we've worked with hundreds, thousands of businesses at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's why I get so excited about it. Because I'm like, this will, attending the Dirt World Summit will make a difference in the Dirt World. It'll make a difference in the individual companies. It'll make a difference. Hopefully those 800 to 1,000 people who attend not only go back and talk within their own companies, but they share it with some of their competitors. Like, yeah. what, what's like some of the, the things that I find as most rewarding is when I had an impact on the industry. 
And that wasn't just because I was only talking to my team. Mm-hmm. Hey, have you guys thought about this? Like, how do we fix this? So I think this is a really good opportunity to not only gather, but then to go back and share. Yeah. You, I mean, the other, you've got Dan Garcia from CW Matthews. When we worked, you know, you got Katie Paid from Hoopa. I mean, yeah. these people, Jackie Al from Jurgensen coming yeah. in to share, even inside the industry, but yeah. just what they're what they're doing to fix the people problem. And each one has some expertise in different areas. So I'm excited about the mix of, hey, here's a keynote national thought leader that's kind of built this with the, with the construction. I've done industry. this. Yeah. yeah it's, and so I think, again, good ideas across all those when you start to put them together and kind of bundle some of these um, tools that you could go back with on Monday and start to do together, that's when you can really start to move on the people problem. Can we, can we talk about one cool thing I think we're doing? Yeah. Uh, so we're, we'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I probably shouldn't talk about you're, it. You're, not, you're off the agenda now. Because <laughs> yeah. so. uh, I don't know how it's going to end Let me call up. legal real quick. Yeah, call <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how this is going to actually end up. But I think one of the things that's really exciting that we're working on is creating curriculum for high schools. Uh-huh. And it's in its infancy, but we have, uh, we've partnered with uh, Jackie from... Jorgensen, and, and they're helping us um, work with the nonprofit that they put together in Ohio. And uh, there, in, in my mind, there is a pathway to a curriculum that could be, could be shared nationwide that would allow uh, women and, or girls and boys, women and men in high school to learn the basics of the industry. Mm-hmm. Maybe they enter, maybe they don't. They'll gain some more respect for the industry. Sure. And if they do enter the industry, they will be light years ahead of current young men and young women yeah. who don't know anything. Yeah. You know, the basics of safety, the basics of the process. Like even me, I've been in the industry for a long time. Yesterday, we had the opportunity to go meet with Aztec. I learned stuff about asphalt plants. I did not know. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, I had no clue. No idea. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, know, I didn't, I didn't know how the drum worked. Yeah. I didn't know that went both ways. Yeah. No well, idea. I think they're one of the few that yes. manufacturer would want yeah. that goes both yeah. ways. But still, yeah. um, like having a kid be able to come out of high school and have just some of those understandings of like, why does compaction matter? How does it work? Like even if, if I was to reflect on like a, a good portion of our workforce that came out of, the, um, out of high school and became equipment operators, because we didn't have a very good training program, most of them didn't understand compaction. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, wouldn't it be kind of cool for them to have those foundations? I feel like it would set them up to have a much better career in the industry. Like, yeah. it's pumping. The ground's <clears throat> pumping. Like, why is that happening? Like, oh, well, I know why it's happening because there's too much water. And well, I mean, obviously you learn it, but it'd, it'd be cool to, to just come into it with that much foundation. It's, it's not complicated stuff. Like some, someone not so long ago said, well, everything's too basic on here. <laughs> I'm like, have you been out to a job site recently? Like, <laughs> like people don't know the basics. And that, that's, that's, that's a complaint I hear. People don't know the basics. It's like, yeah, they don't because no one's taught them. Yeah. So I think I saw that comment. It was kind of funny because it, it's like, yeah, um, slope staking is pretty basic. But go find somebody that knows how to slope stake. Yeah. Or read a slope stake. Yeah, get out to a job site and ask people because these like, and it's not their fault. Like, it's no one's fault, but there, there's there's a lot of the basic information completely missing right now. And I, I mean, I had to just pick up everything when I started out in construction. 
I didn't know anything that first summer in the pipe. It's like, thank God I didn't get killed because you're swinging around concrete pipe. You don't know what the hell's going on. And you don't realize you don't. This is one of my things on safety. I think a lot of times people think, oh, that uh, they're unsafe. I don't think you actually understand the risk. Yeah. Like, you didn't understand that that pipe could kill you. No idea. You're like, if it fell on me, it hurts. Very hurt. easily. Yeah. But yeah. no, it could kill you really quickly. Well, and, and you get you get fooled when uh, it's funny, you know, the excavator's swinging the pipe around. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's just so easy. Dancing around. And then you try to go push like a piece of 48 inch, uh, you know, concrete pipe. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> like, there's <laughs> yeah, you no, can, there's you no can way. spin it, but you want to, if you want to move it so it's not like center of gravity's below the bucket. Yeah. That is hard. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. You just, but you're, you're fooled into thinking that it's like, well, you know, this is, you're just doing a job and we're working hard and yeah, it's just a piece of pipe. But you're like one wrong thing can go kill you. And, and with safety too, you don't even know what to look for. Like, like you said, you just don't, you don't even know. Like, um, we were assembling a trench box. I ne- I nearly got my fingers just sliced right off from from just shearing because we were trying to get one piece into another piece. And you know, I had my fingers within where the pin goes, trying to trying to push it. If it had gone, it would just sheared them right off. I didn't I didn't know I shouldn't put my fingers there. Well, I was so we were we had a youth camp for church, and we had a skid steer up there, and a trailer got stuck, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, Another guy who was up there, he's, he could operate equipment. And I was like, hey, go get it. We'll go get this trailer. All right. So he goes over and he was just going to lift it up and just like move it because it was stuck. And when he did, it was a big trailer. It was too heavy for him to do that. And the, the tail end started coming up off the ground. Mm-hmm. Somebody went and jumped on the back mm-hmm. because they were going to weigh it down. Mm-hmm. And it just frustrated me so much. I got so mad because I'm like, this guy's going to get killed. He jumps on the back and the skid steer goes to back away. And I'm like, you're going to get killed. Yeah. And then this guy, uh, like moments later, goes over on the downhill side of this uh, skid steer that's kind of working on a slope to help hold it up. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God. That's terrifying. you're, you're, You're an idiot. Yeah. And then I'm like, I reflected on I'm like, he had no clue. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't know equipment can turn over. He had no clue. Like I could have chewed him out and yelled at him. And the only thing that would probably happen was he would have got mad at me for being a jerk. Yeah. When really I just cared yeah. and it scared the heck out of me. That, that exact example happens in the industry Yeah. all the time. Yeah. So like, you're like, well, clearly he knows that that wasn't safe because he got his butt chewed. Yeah. But he might not, not. He might not, because he might not understand. He might have just got called an idiot. Well, I think. But this is the core of what I think really upsets me about the chin strap hard hats. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Here we go. <laughs> is it's because it's just so simple. It's so visual. We really care about our people's safety. These normal hard hats are insignificant. We're not going to look at data. These are just better. And we're going to spend a bunch of money on it. We're going to acquire subcontractors. We're safe. We safety first. But then they, I just, I see the hypocrisy when I go to some of these job sites. There's no basic training. And then especially for it's a project owner or general, whoever it's like, you know, rules for you, but we can bend the rules every once in a while. You know, they're a little, they're a little squishier for us, but you better, if you don't uphold the rules, like you're, you're out of here, you're gone. It's just, or I was talking to some guys and, and they said, yeah, on this project, everything is about safety. 
until the schedule starts to get off track. And then they're just like, do whatever you do. We're just going to be over here. Yeah. And it just drives me nuts. It's like, just be honest, just be safe or don't, you know, I, I, it's, it's just this, this facade, this, this peacocking, oh, we're very, very safe, but it's like, but you're not giving your people the basic safety training that would make them far safer than a hard hat with a chin strap. Yeah. And PPEs at the bottom, very bottom of the very bottom. Um, yeah. Hierarchy of controls. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very bottom. Yeah, let's least, talk about least effective. Like situations in which you you like when a hard hat comes into play, like standing under something being lifted. Don't do that. So the way I'm wired is like I almost instantly do calculations. Uh-huh. You guys have probably seen this. Like a, yes, yeah, yeah. So which is just, why you're chief financial just, officer. Just, of our just like just like just humor me. Seven to eight million people in the industry. <clears throat> if the chin strap hard hat becomes widely adopted, which I think it will. Um, because a few big GCs have already said that that's going to be required and that kind of just penetrates the market. Yeah. They on average cost 30 to $60 more than a traditional hard hat. So let's say 7 million people and we spend $40 extra yeah. per hard hat. Not, yeah. not $40 cause we, that's more than replacing their current hard hat. My math right. That's $280 million in the industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Globally. feels like feels like is that globally yeah seven to eight million globally there's yeah. a couple million in, well no, I, no all of construction yeah you're right no. all of construction yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you're seven right. to eight million yeah. here but it just feels like i i want people to be safe and protecting their heads really important but i wonder if we could have spent 280 million dollars more effectively to have training that yes. made more of a difference that that is the core to me if we looked at you know the the top five and we said hey here's the top five injuries is the chin strap on your hard hat gonna really make much of a difference there we probably should have a safety professional on the show yeah who who could argue this with me i would love an open invite to anybody that that, like chin strap professional expert Yeah, I'd love to. I'd, I'd love to. Tell, I'd love to. And but but I agree with it. It's like it's probably better than a normal hard hat. But again, to your point, uh, um, I, I I listened to a, a discussion with Bjorn Longberg and Jordan Peterson over the weekend, and he was talking about how you know there's there's two hundred problems in the world, but where where could we get the most benefit? And those are probably the things we should do first. And they're not all that expensive to do, but a lot of them aren't very sexy. And so he was talking about like a lot of healthcare. He was like, you could, you could have these very simple devices to help babies breathe when they're born, which would save, you know, tons and tons and tons of lives. Super, super, super cost effective. But, but then his point was, but you don't get accolades for people not dying, but that no one even knows about, like they don't, they don't know about that. So you're not going to be able to write about that in a medical journal or get all of this funding for it. Or there's nothing significant about it. There's nothing special about it, which is why I think it's partially like the thing with the PPE, for example, it's just more visual. We can see it happening on job sites so we can feel better about it. Well, yeah, we are, we are safer because I can see the safety in action. Then you can't see the training and the behavior and all of those things that in theory would be far more impactful to safety if that was really the goal. Uh, but it's just, it's just harder to measure and manage and implement. And I just don't know about it. It's squishier. 
I agree. But it's also like, you know, with the example of health, the easy button is to take a pill when you're sick. Yeah. The way to really get healthy is be at the gym, even though you don't see results and eat a cleaner diet, even though you don't see results. And over time, you'll receive results and, and so forth. I think that's very much the case with construction. Like the hard hat chin strap, probably great to do, but it's probably more like that easy pill. Like we're just going to switch out this PPE lowest on the hierarchy of controls. Um, is, that, is that what it's called? The hierarchy of controls? Yes. Okay. Hierarchy of controls. But how we would actually make a healthier, safer industry is probably those small things that we have to do every day training, micro trainings, mm-hmm. um, better daily plans, um, higher quality work. I think Mortensen did a study probably been a decade ago and it was crazy. It was the majority of all safety incidents that happen were happening during rework mm-hmm. because people are now out of sequence. So if you eliminate rework. Yeah. Yep. You could potentially have a great impact on safety. That's wild. And so, like, I feel like, but, but it's squishy and certainly squishy. Yeah. It, measuring quality in general is squishy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Again, I'm just this armchair quarterback sitting here. This, this is how you guys should do things. But it, it, some of these things drive me nuts. I would, I would argue too, some of the safety policies, policies regarding safety and everything get in the way significantly of efficiency. And if we were better trained, I, I think you could. I think you could be a lot more effective while also being safe. But there's just these blanket policies. Yes. And I think um, you have to be careful how we say this. I'm, I'm wading into some treacherous yes, waters some, some right people now. Are gonna, some people are going to be upset. Yeah. I think what you're highlighting is not all safety policies are right. Yes. And they put, they put a blanket policy in place and they enforce it as if it is the commandment. Yes. But... That wasn't the spirit of what they were trying to do. I'll give you a good example. We were on a project and um, it was during COVID. We're out in Arizona. It's hot. They were actually shooting shotcrete in a basement. So humidity's up because of all the shotcrete. I know where you're going with this. Yeah. yeah. And um, they, you know, they wanted our people to wear masks, which is fine because when you were doing shotcrete, a lot of times you wear protection anyways. But then they wanted them to wear a face shield as well. Um, so safety glasses weren't enough. They need a face shield because there was rocks at velocity and they were worried about them coming back at them. And I think the spirit was right. Hey, we want to keep your people safe. But until you go down there and you have your mask, your face shield fog up Mm -hmm. and can't see, you don't realize that policy, although well-intended, doesn't apply in this situation. It probably made him more unsafe yeah 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 and so luckily on that project kudos to the project team we had the very similar conversation that we're having right now like hey would you go down there and work with them and just experience what they're doing and tell me if you think it's safe or not to wear the face shield and one of their guys did and a few hours later he said i agree they don't need to wear it Mm -hmm. but that's not usually the case it's not usually the case is this is our policy this is what has to happen like uh like I think glove policies can be that way. can totally be that way all the time. You need to wear gloves. I'm taking pictures. Like, well, well, it's not a good look if we don't like. It's like, but I'm taking pictures. I have no, absolutely no risk. Of, but I've talked, I've talked to a lot of technicians too. They're like, 
we don't like wearing gloves. Like it makes our job a lot harder. <laughs> and, and like this, I, I can make, I can do the, uh, like, and I get from an employer standpoint, the liability, but also from the individual, it's just like, we don't trust you to make the decision that's right for your job and, and for your safety. So we're going to do it for you. Yeah. It's a good point. hundred percent gloves, hundred percent of the time is a well-intended policy to keep people from ha- having hand injuries. Totally get it. But well, there's times when you need dexterity. And putting a nut <clears throat> on something yes. can be very difficult with gloves, especially if it's in a tight spot or you don't have exactly the right gloves. And so somebody gets written up on one of these projects because they're not wearing gloves because they're doing this, this task where they need high dexterity. Mm-hmm. Um, not only is it... Uh, silly but it actually can be demoralizing and it's partially how i think that culture exists of like us versus safety Mm -hmm. because they 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 start to say like safety's out of touch they don't get it and and i think an example would be is like well when you're in the job trailer are you wearing your gloves all the time well no that's a joke well that's we would joke at a certain contractor, like when we were doing paperwork, like, why aren't your gloves on? Yeah. You could get a paper cut. Yeah. Like, and we'd, we'd write each other up as a joke. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, I've, but I've had people get in trouble for not having their gloves on in a, in a piece of equipment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or hard hats and piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once again, I get it. They're saying like, well, when you get out, it happened, you know, you, you have a tendency to forget to do those things. Mm-hmm. So we want you to wear them hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Well-intended. But you're, you're creating policy. I think No Rules Rules, the Netflix book, talks a lot about this, right? Yes, like yeah. Create, you create policy for the exception. Yeah. So, so that's what we do in construction. Like, well, we had this incident happen. Now let's go create a new policy, even though you know, we're a company of 15,000 and we've never had that happen in the last five years. But mm-hmm. here's this policy to fix it instead of just saying, like, this is what happened. This is why it happened. Make sure that you're aware right of it. it. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> but hopefully build what training can help with that. I, I, I really, really, really do believe it can. Yeah. yeah. That's why we're doing it. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is a, uh, uh, a company at the end of the day. Ideally, one day we'll be, we will be for profit. <laughs> I, I, but I love the micro training part. And I, you know, I, you know, I, we started training without really knowing that concept and kind of, but I, now as I, cause I, you know, I read a lot. I listen to podcasts. Some of them four hours long, but the getting things in three minute segments every day. And because, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I read extreme ownership, but it, now it's been a couple of years. And I, and yeah. I go to the FTX and I get the principles drilled back in, but then, okay, now I, I'd have trouble telling you the five, you know, laws of combat or things. Yeah. It's like, I'd love to get a three-minute segment every day on some of these topics. And that's why we, we just kind of said as a company, we're going to start doing you know, our, our training product internally. And so you, Aaron, you recorded your first kind of weekly update. It's going to the team. Everybody's got it. So yeah. I, I just want to consume more training in that, in that three minutes a day type thing so that it you know, kind of goes back even to like 75 hard where you read 10 pages every day. That's better than reading like 10, 10 yeah. chapters. It's like, yeah. hey, it sounds, you know, 10 pages, maybe not, did, didn't do much on Monday, but when, you, when you've when you read 50 pages now, Monday to Friday, all of a sudden that starts to compound and I like that part of it. Yeah. yeah. Like 30 minutes doesn't sound like much, but there's 
roughly, let's just say five, uh, five minutes a day. You know, you do one to two videos a day. It doesn't sound like much easily could be done before your daily safety meeting. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, everyone get out their phone, do your safety <clears throat> thing. They do it. And then you get together and do your huddle. And in a perfect world, you actually talk about, hey, what did somebody learn today? Yeah. Right. Um, because when they have to recall what they learned, it's going to make it stick in that individual. And then when they teach somebody else, it's going to make it stick even more. I think you, you said it, it, like maybe it was your example. It's like working out. Like, you know, you can't just have training as two days out of the year. Like, hey, we're going to go do these two. It's like, oh, we're going to do a two-day workout. You're good for the year. It's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. That does, it's not, you got to exercise a little bit every day does a lot more than two full days, you know, once a year. And I, I think training is the same way it's, um, but we don't think of it like that. Yeah. We're like, hey, I, I went to this conference. I'm good for a year. Well, that's what I was getting at. Was getting, getting at like this, the math, right? So 250 working days, roughly in a year. Um, that's 50 weeks, right? Yeah, 50 yeah. weeks. At four minutes, the thousand minutes of training a year. Mm-hmm. Find me somewhere where companies are giving a thousand minutes of training a year mm-hmm. consistently to their craft. Right. They probably exist, but they're probably unicorns. Yeah. They do it in other countries. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. And, but it also doesn't do away with the two day training. No. Like that could be good. Like do the two day training, yeah, do the on site. De- you definitely have to. Yeah, yeah. And, but do those three minute follow ups that come after it or a month later that test or do some of these things. This is a, you know, it's a much better way to, and it's not really not how we do training anywhere, unless you're, unless you happen to be like in a military unit where you're like constantly training every day or something like that. We just don't get that level of, I mean, Jocko talks about that with the police department. It's like, they get like six hours of training for a year. And it's like, no, 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 we, they, this is why they fail in some of these instances because they just don't get the level of training they need. And we, we, we definitely have that in the construction industry where mm-hmm. we, we can benefit from that. All right, well, I have a call with Komatsu that I need to go take. Ironically, I'm wearing a cat shirt. Oh, that, that's about right. But uh, maybe they'll send you a Komatsu shirt. <laughs> I guess that's a conversation. Glad we talked about chin yeah. hard hats. If you want to learn more about our company, buildit.com, uh, dirtworld.com for the summit, correct? Yeah. That's a podcast.